0: If you have your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles or some on the edge of the roads, kids, feel free to, uh, to, to look at the Bibles with us and read along if you can read. If you can't read, ask your mom or daddy to read along with you. It'll be good. Let me start off like this. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2, but let me start off like this. How many of you guys uh, did Black Friday this past week? And we all went out to Black Friday. I know Sarah texted me like late that night. She goes, hey, babe, guess what? I'm going to Black Friday. And I'm like, well, who's going to watch the kids? She goes, I'm taking all the kids with me. I'm like, you are stupid. Like, that's like, oh, my gosh, you know. But she did. She went to Black Friday. Look, People get excited about Black Friday. Black Friday is just very exciting for people. They get all pumped up about everything. It's so exciting that stores actually start doing Black Friday, like on Thursday evening, uh, like way before Friday even happens. You know, if the trend keeps going, I think that in like 20 years will be like Black Friday in like October or something like that. So like Black Friday is very exciting for people. People line up for hours and hours and hours at stores uh, just to have them open up early so they'd be the first ones there to rush in and get that one thing that they did not know they needed before they saw the ad on Black Friday, okay? Uh, just to put it into perspective, in 2014, the average American spent $382 on Black Friday. The average American spent $382 on Black Friday, the totaling over $50 billion in sales for America alone on Black Friday. $50 billion in sales on Black Friday alone for Americans. Now, let me put that in perspective. It costs $30 billion to end world hunger for one year. So you got $50 billion spent in one weekend. $30 billion to end World Hunger for one year. Can you imagine what would happen if we were just stop Black Friday for one, one year? It would just be crazy. And what is the reason for all of this madness, I ask? What is the reason that we get so excited over Black Friday? Well, it's because we're getting the best deal possible out there. We, we, we feel like we, we're getting the best deal we can get. Us, as Americans, have heard about these great deals and, and ads, and people spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on promotion uh, promotion on these Black Friday ads and We hear about these great deals. We hear about the uh, the TV uh, that 's a brand that we 've never heard of that 's on sale for one hundred bucks that 's normally sell price three hundred some bucks we 've never actually heard of the brand before, but we 're going to take it for, for granted that it 's a good TV. You know, we hear about the, the pajamas for $2. You know, we hear about, you know, the pair of socks for 25 cents. And we want to rush out there. And we're willing to punch a kid in the face to get it if we need to. That's how psycho we get at Black Friday. Kids don't get scared. But we get so excited about Black Friday. And we're willing to rush out in the middle of the night or in the middle of the morning or camp out in front of uh, Best Buy for hours upon hours just to get the the newest digital camera out there. We're willing to do that because we have heard some great news and we're willing to go out there and get it. It's kind of like the shepherds in the Christmas story. Think about it the shepherds heard something great. They heard some good news. You know, they they were out there in the field and they heard something awesome and they were so excited about the good news that they had to rush over to see what it was about. If you look at the the story of the Gospel of Luke, you can see just how excited they were. We heard Linus talk about it earlier. It was just, the way he said it is going to sound so much better than the way I'm going to read it. But they they were so excited. Just look, look at me. Uh, Look with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We're going to get started here. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with a great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is this Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15 says, And the angels went away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem. Let us, let us go over there. Let us rush over to Bethlehem and see that this thing that has happened, which is, the, which is what the Lord has made known to us, Verse 16, and they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known and said that had been told to them concerning the child. They told Mary and Joseph, hey, these angels came up, they were telling us all about this, it was crazy. And all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. For all they had heard and seen, and it had been told to them. Now this is a story we all should know, right? This is a story that we see every year around this time of the year. This is a story that if you've been in church any part of your life, someone has probably preached this story to you. This is a story that if you've ever looked at Christmas cards, is on the back of a Christmas card somewhere or the inside of a Christmas card somewhere. This is a story that just like the Charlie Brown Christmas movie has been spoken into you know, pop culture over the years around this time of the year with, with all these other movies. It's the story that we all should know but year after year we hear it year after year we, we we have it upon our our ears and our minds but my concern is this is that with all the annual repetitions of this story with all the times that you know people are hearing it and people are just repeating it to you that it might lose a little bit of its punch that we might start to take for granted The things that happened. We might overlook just how amazing this night was in the history of all of mankind. But listen, it's not just a story about how God came and spoke to shepherds and loved shepherds. This is a story of how God loves us. And if we consider this story, if we look at it carefully, we can see that he has a message for us here today still. And that message is this, is that if we look at the story, if we examine it closely, we can see that the same hope that the shepherds had can be the same hope that we can have here today. Let's start by looking at some of the most obvious things in the story, okay? Number one, who does God announce the birth of his son to? Who are these guys, the shepherds, you know, and who does he invite to come see the new baby Jesus? He invites a ragtag collection of sheep herders. Okay? Sheep herders. The toughest of the toughest sheep. Herders, the people who are out in the woods with the sheep every, every night. There was only one announcement of Christ's birth recorded in all of Scripture. Only one invitation of God to the people of the world to come visit Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus. And that invitation goes out to a bunch of uneducated, smelly, low-class, social and religious outcasts. These bunch of shepherds. Look, these guys were like the last people you would expect God to talk to These guys are like the last people you expect God to talk to or even make any type of communication with. Like no one even noticed the shepherds. They were like the lowest position of the economy. They were the lowest position of of, of the social status quo. They were at the lowest of lows. Okay, first of all, they were religious outcasts. The shepherds were religious outcasts. According to Jewish law, these men were actually unclean because they were always around dirty sheep all the time. Much like parents are always around dirty kids all the time, we were probably unclean all the time. Their line of work also prevented them from participating in feasts and holy days that made up Jewish, the Jewish calendar. Well, because someone had to watch the sheep, right? Like you couldn't just leave the sheep out in the fest, in, on the fields to go do something. They would like run away because sheep are dumb. They're stupid. They would just go off. So when everyone else was making a trip to Jerusalem to make sacrifices at the temple or to participate in annual taxes or feasts or whatever it was, they were out there working in the fields. The modern-day example might be like a trucker or a shift worker, someone who has to keep a job going throughout the year, someone who's always having to be at their job. I work in the refinery. We can't just leave the refinery just on autopilot one night and walk away. You You know, Rachel works in the NICU. She can't just, like, press a button and walk out and expect the babies to be on okay when she gets back you know like we can't there's some jobs where we have to work we can't be at every you know potluck dinner of the church and these shepherds had the same thing but because of that because of that you know it really wasn't their fault it was just their job but because of that they were looked upon as a religious outcast people were looking at them and like well you don't go to church every sunday well you're not around every day you're not there for the festival you're not paying the temple tax like you should be you're out doing your job and because of that there were religious Outcast. Secondly, the shepherds were also pretty of social outcasts at the same time. They were consistently on the mood to find a pasture for their flock. Not a pasture, but a pasture for their flock to go eat and graze on. And they were always looked upon as being kind of suspicious and weird. Kind of like the way we look at gypsies or carnival people. Because carnival people are weird. They got the mullets, you know, party in the back, business in the front. Like, they're just weird people, right? And, and we all know that. So they were socially awkward. They were always gone. They were, so, they were so out there. They were always accused of being thieves. In fact, when something was stolen in the land, they were like, well, the shepherds go through the land. Because they're always passing through. stuff." It's like the, the highway. They can, they can come through. They can rob you. And they can keep going with the herd. You know, they were, they were so bad that whenever there was a court case and they needed a witness, they never called the shepherd because his word was not trustworthy. They considered these guys to just be the, 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 the thugs of the land. They didn't trust them at all. And on top of all that, they didn't really have much contact with people. If you look at verse 8, it says that they were living out in the fields. Living out in the fields. They didn't say they were working in the fields. No, they lived out in the fields. They, they were always around sheep. This wasn't a 40-hour-a-week job. This was a 24-7 lifestyle that they, they devoted themselves to. During the day, they would lead the sheep to grass and water. They would watch the sheep graze and, and kind of look over them. They would keep an eye off of predators like wolves and bears in the land. And at night, they actually slept in the pen with the sheep to prevent, you know, predators from jumping in or people to come and steal the sheep. You know, a good shepherd would spend so much time with his sheep. Much like us parents know our kids, they knew their sheep by just looking at the sheep. They're like, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's, a, you know, Bar-Ram, you, whatever. That, that, that's that sheep that I know. That, that's Billy the sheep, goat, whatever—they know their sheep. Okay, they know them by name, because being a shepherd was a great, great job in that aspect. But it was also a very lonely, wearisome, usually boring, tedious, sometimes very dangerous job. It was a job that required much and paid very little. It was also a job that gave them um, a lot of contact with sheep, a little exposure to people. So, have you ever met an introvert that's just really weird? Like, that, that was the shepherd. They were like, they didn't want to talk to people. They kind of just kind of, when they, when they were around people, they didn't know how to talk. They, they never had to talk to people. They were always talking to sheep. Okay, so many of, many of us are introverts, right? You know, like, they want, they want to be away from people. If you want to be away from people, sign up to be a shepherd. You can be away from people all your life. Some of you are like, yes, sign me up for that job right now. Because so it's like no wonder that was so much time away from people that shepherds learn how to play instruments. Like you look at some of the greatest shepherds of the Bible. You look at King David. Before he was king, he was a shepherd boy. And he learned how to play, you know, the harp. And he learned how to play, be a musician. He picked up, you know, instruments to learn how to play them. Because all he had to do was sit all day with sheep and watch a bunch of dumb animals eat grass all day. That's all he had to do. Okay? It makes you feel pretty good about your job. Shepherds just didn't have much of a social contact at all in fact if i was a father i would not want my daughter to date a shepherd because they would just be weird that's how it was now, let's take a step back for a moment though let's take a step back imagine that you're god okay imagine that you're god and you're about to to send down your, your your son to the world you're about to send your messiah out and you're like okay i'm going to send him down into the world that's going to change the course of history for all of mankind the joy of jesus christ is coming the birth of the savior of the world is coming and you want to announce it to someone who do you announce it to who do you say finally he is here who do you announce it to who do you tell who do you invite to come see who do you do that to? You know, when a child is born into royalty, say like the British royalty, for instance, whenever a prince is born, they didn't issue personal invitations to like cab drivers. They didn't issue personal invitations to the, the construction workers down the street. No, 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 no. They didn't do that. Whenever a child was born into royalty, you know, they, they, they did announcements that were, they, they probably printed them in gold leaf and send them out to political leaders and heads of state. That's what they send them out to. At this point, you, know, you would expect an event like that of the birth of Christ to be the announcement would go out to so many different people on the land. Here comes Jesus. God is, a, is bringing His Son into the world, and you would think that political leaders would get an invitation. Kings and, and rulers, governors, maybe even Caesar back in Rome, these guys would all get an invitation to come pay homage to the future leader. Those are the guys who, who get invitations, right? Maybe religious leaders should get invitations. This is, of course, the Messiah. You know, priests, rabbis, synagogue officials, scribes, you know, the head of the Jewish counselor, the Sahedron, the Pharisees, those guys should get the invitation to come see the new Messiah. Or maybe like it was like a different thing. Maybe military leaders would get the invitation. This is, of course, the new king. Military leaders, wealthy merchants, the richest men of the country should get the invitation. These are the guys that need to know that this new leader is in the world. They are the ones that need to know this. Men and women of great distinction maybe even the news media maybe cnn fox news these are the guys that need to be there so they can report and say look at the great king that is now here but listen none of them got the word none of them got that invitation sure there were some foreign kings over at the east that got the invitation or, or they, they got they got wind of something happening they weren't invited, they come, they kind of figured it out through prophecy and astrology, and they were able to travel and they got to the to the to the birth of the baby Jesus like three years late, but they still got there. You no, know, but that's besides the point. Only these few poor shepherds, the social and religious outcasts, received the announcement. You can imagine the conductor of the angel choir, right, at that moment, getting all pumped up to come sing the announcement of the new Messiah. Jesus is going back to earth, and they give him the job. They go back and sing to everyone and announce Jesus Christ. And he gets there, and he, he's like, okay, where is everyone at? And they look over, and he's like, oh, there's a bunch of shepherds. Okay, it'd be the equivalent of Chris Tomlin going to play this great big show to announce this great big religious, you know, announcement. And he's over and he's practicing for weeks and weeks. And he goes to, into the cathedral to, to play the show. And he gets up on stage expecting to see presidents and, and kings and queens and good people there. And he looks down, there's the custodians from the, from the cathedral. And he has to play towards them. You can just imagine the, 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 what's going through the angel's mind. So why did God do this? Why did God do this? Why did he send his angels to announce this is great and mighty angels by the way? Why did he send these great mighty angels to announce the birth of Christ to so just these shepherds? To invite them and only them to come and see the child. Why this guy? Why 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 these dudes? Were these shepherds like especially holy in some way? Yeah, sure, they didn't go to church all the time. Sure, they weren't like really up to date on their theology or on the scripture reading. But maybe for some reason they, in their hearts they were really holy. I doubt that. These shepherds were outcasts. They were out in the middle of nowhere. I doubt they ever really did much biblical reading. I doubt they did much theology and actual like studying of scriptures. I doubt they did any of that. They were in fact shepherds and not priests. So obviously they didn't make the cut to become a priest. They were a shepherd. So I doubt they were very holy. Maybe they were like expecting this maybe. You know, maybe the shepherds were expecting God to come to them. Uh, Fat chance. I mean, if you're a shepherd, okay, if you're a shepherd, you're probably convinced that if God even knows you exist, he probably has you know, no good standings of you in, in, in his mind. You know, you know, you're probably thinking to yourself, "I don't sacrifice at the temple, I don't show up for the feasts, I don't go to the synagogue, and, and my deepest theological discussions are with a bunch of stupid snot nosed cheap." Like, how, why would God even think much of me? So again, if you're God, why would you pick these shepherds to announce the birth of Christ to? You? These shepherds, why would you announce it to them? There's several possible answers, but I propose a pretty simpler explanation. And that is this, that God wanted to show that his love does not discriminate on the basis of class or wealth or social standing. God's love does not discriminate on the basis of class, wealth, or social standing standing. He does not respect kings and princesses more than hourly laborers. He doesn't not value the priests and pastors and the popes above people in the pews. He does not show favoritism. He does not give per peripheral treatment to the group of people and not one other group of people. He's not; His love is not available to only those who he thinks are really good and powerful. His love is for everybody who has faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone. In fact, many passages of Scripture indicate that his love was to lift up the lowly and the humble and to oppose the proud and those who are very self-righteous and very self-satisfied. You don't have to turn your Bibles over just listen to these real quick. It's throughout Scripture, he says this in Second Samuel: "You have saved because you save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low." Psalm one forty nine four says: "For the Lord takes delight in his people; he crowns the humble with salvation." Isaiah sixty six says: "This is what the Lord says: This is one that I esteem: He who is humble in spirit and trembles at my word." Matthew 23, 12, I love this one. It says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay? Uh, 1 Peter 5 says, God opposes the proud. A lot of us need to hear that today. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, before God's mighty hand, and he may lift you up in due time. In other words... God is demonstrating that by his choice of these humble shepherds to be the first people to know that Jesus Christ was into this world, that he was giving these, these guys the, the information before he gave anyone else, he was showing that, that his love is not based upon power or wealth or anything. He was showing the world that because he chose these, these uh, shepherds before anyone else, that his love is for everyone. He does not discriminate. Listen, he does not discriminate on the basis of intelligence. He does not discriminate on the basis of sexuality, education, wealth, profession, political power, social standing, or any other qualities that human beings may be judged by. He doesn't judge people at all like that. He loves everyone equally. His son is for everyone from the lowest of low to the highest of high. Paul makes this point very clear in his first letter to Corinthians. He says this in 1 Corinthians 1 If you have your Bibles, turn them there with me right now. 1 Corinthians 1 Paul is writing the letter and he says this to the Corinthians. He says, uh, says, Brothers, think not of what you were. It says, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. That, that's me. I am not wise by human standards at all. Okay? It says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble birth. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and despises things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Listen, it is because of God's grace that you are able to come to Christ Jesus. It says, furthermore, it says, For who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, for it is written, let him, boast, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. In other words, God especially likes the people who are humble, the people who are lowly, the people who are ordinary, because that makes his power and wisdom even more evident in their lives. Just think about a miracle right now. Think about something that would happen in this world. If it happened to someone who was rich and powerful, someone who had a lot of intelligence, someone who was really smart and really, you know, really, uh, you know, successful in life, and something was like that to happen, they would say, oh, it happened because he was really good in life. It happened because he was really smart. He has that house. He has that car because he works really hard and he's good at what he does. He has all those things in life because he is a smart guy or he is talented. That NBA player makes a lot of money because he can shoot a ball through the hoop. But if God was to work on the lowly and say that this shepherd or this homeless guy, what does he have? Look at the miracle in his life. There was no way that guy could do anything in his own power. It has to be God It has to be God It's obvious right So what does this all mean Like what does this all come down to What does it all mean If you identify with the shepherds It should be very encouraging to you If you can connect and identify with these shepherds This is the hope that you need to hear today Perhaps you see yourself As kind of an outsider Looking in on life Maybe you're like a shepherd and And you feel like you're an outsider I can imagine that that over the, over the years and years, these shepherds would be out in the field with their sheep at night. And, and they would look into the city lights. And they would see lights of the festivals. They would hear people singing songs. They would see great parties going on. They would see the socially, you know, uh, up and, and doing things. On Maybe they were partying on the rooftops. Maybe they had, like, big fires going and they had, like, good things going on. And if you're a shepherd at that moment, you must be looking in and saying Man, here I am surrounded by a bunch of dumb sheep. You know, I'm thinking like, like, how will I ever get into that place? And maybe you felt like, you know what, maybe you're not one of, the, one of the beautiful people. Maybe you're not one of the people who are wealthy or powerful or influential. Maybe you don't have it all together. Maybe your life is not perfect. You know, maybe you, you look into your life you're like, man, p- man, people must be laughing at me every time I walk around. Because compared to everyone else, I do not have it all together. Maybe you compare yourself like that. Or maybe you compare yourself on the level of religious, uh, you know, people around you. you think, yeah, I'm not as holy as that guy. I'm not as good as this person. You know, like compared to this guy, I don't even know my scriptures very well. Okay? You, you maybe you got like spotty church attendance. Maybe you're like the shepherds and you don't come to church every Sunday. Or maybe you have very little Bible reading time. And you're like, man, I can't even quote scriptures like that guy can I can't do those things that that guy can I don't know where to go in the Bible. I don't even know how to look up a passage in the Bible. Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you feel like you have a very, you know, you know very infrequent prayer life. Maybe you think like, well, because I don't pray every day. I don't sit there in my bed and the first thing I do is read my Bible and pray. I don't do those things. And because I don't do those things, I must not be that good with God. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I have sin in my life. And because of my sin, I know God is not working his fullness in me. Maybe that's you, and you're comparing yourself to someone else. Like, I see that person in church. I see that woman. I see that girl, and she has it all together. There is no way I can have it all together like that girl does. Okay? And, and you know what? There's so many people that deep down inside, they, they, we, we feel like this. Even people that look like they have it all together at times feel like this. On the surface, everything is going great. But on the inside, you feel like you just don't fit in. Okay? You feel like God doesn't really care about you. How can he care about someone who doesn't even take time to read their scriptures? How can he care about someone who doesn't even take time to read their their, their Bible or pray to God? How can he care about someone like that? And if that description strikes a chord in your life here today, church, if that description describes you in any way, I want you to know there is great news for you. This is the best news possible. It's the kind of news that will make you want to get up and run out like a Black Friday sale to go get to it. And that is this, that God loves you. That he still loves you in your imperfections. When you misunderstand, he understands you. He still loves you even though you might mess up. Kids, God still loves you even though you might not obey your parents all the time. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) God still loves you in every way he does. Just like he loved the shepherds out there in the field, the ones who were far away from society, the ones that were far away from church, the ones that were far away from everything like that. Listen, God wants you in church. God wants you connected. He wants all those good things for you. But because you're not connected to a church doesn't mean that he's not going to work in your life. He's going to bring you back to that. He's going to work in life to bring you back to that. Just like he brought the shepherds to Jesus, he's going to be tugging and nugging at your heart to bring you back to that because he loves you. Just like those shepherds were special to him, so are you. He gave them the incredible privilege of being the first to hear of Christ's birth. The incredible privilege of being the first to tell people, uh, you know, about Jesus. He gave them the privilege to be the first people to visit Joseph and Mary and lay eyes on the Son of God and to tell other people about them. He didn't just give those privileges to Caesar or to the Jewish high priest. He gave those privileges to people like me and you, the shepherds. Not in spite of what they were in the world, but because of who they were on the inside of their hearts. They were humble. They were selfish. They were ordinary people with no high opinions of themselves. They weren't full of themselves. They didn't think they were self-righteous. They knew they were at the very bottom of the totem pole. And yet God revealed himself to them. Simple people who were willing to be simply just believing in God. know that's all they did. They just simply believed in God. They didn't sit there and debate whether or not God was real or not. They didn't sit there and be like, man, this, this bright angel came over and was preaching to us. I don't know if I believe that. Like, I just, like, it doesn't make sense in my mind. They didn't sit there and say, like, you know what? <sighs> you know, we, we don't got time to go worship. We, we don't got time to go see this king, this kid, this baby. No, they simply obeyed and they went. They simply obeyed God. Let me ask you this. Will you do that today? Will you simply just obey God? God didn't send an angel to give you the news But he did bring you here today, and he gave you his word, the scriptures and the Bible. Listen, God is inviting you and me and all of us here today, just like he invited the shepherds, to know the great news of Jesus Christ being here on earth. He is speaking to us today. Will you receive his love today? Will you receive, will you believe that what he says... And do what he asks. Will you do that today? Will you acknowledge that you need forgiveness and put your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? You don't have to be part of the, the social club or in the in crowd of the beautiful people to believe and obey. You can be just as the shepherds. And if you do so, Christ promises that he will receive you. If you put your trust in him, he promises great things to you. Listen. John 3.16 says that for, those, for, Christ so loved the, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He promises eternal life if you come to him. Later on, he promises this. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Christ is saying if you make that decision to trust in him, he's not going to push you away. He's not going to look at your life and say, you know what, you were once really good. You were once really good, but, and you came to me, you trusted me, but then you went back out in the field, and like the shepherds, you started staying away from people. You started becoming socially awkward. You started straying away and being secluded, And, I'm there, and I'm, because I'm going to cast you out because you're not worth it. No, he says he will never cast you out. I pray that you will make that decision to trust Christ here today. But what if you're not like the shepherds? Like, what if that's not, your, that, that's not where you're at in life? You're looking at you're listening and like that's great, but that's not me, Felix. That's not me. What if you're more identifying with, um, you know, you identify with the people who are not the shepherds in the story? Like, what if you identify with the social and religious elite, the gifted, the accomplished, the powerful people? Like, what if you're sitting here today and, 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 and for some weird reason you're thinking you have it all together? What if that's you? Do you think, man, I'm perfect? I, I don't need this crap. I'm good. 115 service, that that was, your, that was your edge for the day. Well, if that is you then, recognize this, that in God's sight, you are the same as the shepherds. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all equal in God's eyes. He does not discriminate, Remember? You don't, have to, you don't have a head start with God. In fact, if anything, you have a further to go because you are proud of yourself. Remember, God loves the humble and he opposes the proud. That is you. You think you're good? You think you have it all together? You are further from God than the person who knows that he is sinful and needs him even today. If that is the case, then I ask you to ask God, to beg God, repent to God, to purify your heart and to grant you true humility. Listen, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you're not willing to pray for true humility, and you're a son or a daughter of Christ, he's going to give you humility one way or another. I'd rather beg him for humility than beg him to pull you out of the humility because he has caused something to happen to your life. (laughs) Humble yourself before God so that he doesn't have to do it for you. And finally, this. What did the shepherds do in response to what they had heard and seen? What did they do? Well, verse 17 in Luke says this. It says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They heard, they took what they heard and they went out and they shared it with other people. Listen, let's you and I do the same this season, especially now, this time of year. For the sake of everyone who is out there who is still lost and waiting to hear the good news just like the shepherds are. Maybe we are the people that get to come and share that good news like the angels did. Maybe we are the people who get to share the good news like the shepherds did after they saw Jesus. For the sake of all those who are out there in the city who are feeling lost and hopeless. For the sake of those who feel lost and who are seeking the light, of some type of light and direction this year. May we be the shepherds in the story that go out, the weary and humble, the lowly and the weak. May we go out with the strength of Jesus Christ in our hearts and share the hope that we have found in our lives. May we share the same hope that that the shepherds had. May we share that hope with the world around us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, everyone here today. I thank you for this church. God, thank you for the children and uh, those who are here today. God, I know it's, it's kind of crazy having kids in the audience and, and, and for us parents here today. But thank you so much for giving us the privilege of having them here. Lord, knowing that they are fussy, knowing that they are here is actually a great privilege because we know and we are blessed to have the opportunity to raise a child up in your ways, Lord. And as you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world, and you gave the responsibility to Mary and Joseph to raise Him, may we give praise and thanks that we have the same responsibility as well. May we also give praise and thanks that we have the hope of the shepherds, that we have the responsibility to share that hope with the world around us. There is great news for us that you do not discriminate. Lord, you are the joy of this world. May we shout it out this week uh, throughout our our work days, throughout throughout schools, wherever we're at. May we shout to the world that you are the joy of the world. May all the earth sing and know of your wonderful, wonderful grace that you have for us. God, I pray for everyone here today. Uh, May you give us a good week. And uh, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more time. Let's stand up.